Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Real Estate Center at Texas A&M University. I'm Haley Reeder, Communications Specialist. Today is Wednesday, March 4th, 2020. On this day in 1904, the Batson Old Oil Field, located in Hardin County in the Beaumont-Port Arthur Metro, reached its peak daily production. That day, the field yielded more than 150,000 barrels of crude. Along with the Spindletop, Sour Lake, and Umble fields, Batson helped establish the Texas oil industry. Batson Field was first drilled in 1903 and was still producing 90 years later when its cumulative production reached more than 45 million barrels in 1993. Now on to today's podcast. Please note that this interview was recorded before the Federal Reserve announced that it has cut its benchmark interest rate by half a percentage point. We've included a link to more information about the rate cut on the podcast webpage and in the YouTube description box. Last month, the Center and the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas hosted a conference called Room to Grow, Housing for a New Economy. The conference was overall a great success, so thank you to everyone who attended. Center Chief Economist Dr. Jim Gaines and Research Economist Dr. Luis Torres join us to share what they learned from the conference. Thanks for being here. Oh, no, it's our pleasure. It's great. Thank you for having us. Can you give a quick overview of Texas housing market so far this year? Yeah, we need to know that the the past decade, the decade of the 20 teens for Texas was Mm -hmm. an outstanding decade, uh, start to finish, the complete decade. And this is despite the fact that uh, in 2014 and 15, we had an oil price bust cycle that went through our economy, went through our housing market, went through everything, went through the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, in employment. And even at that, the total decade was still head and shoulders above almost anything, any other decade Texas has had, with the possible exception of the 70s when we had the big oil uh, price run up. So it was interesting to take, we're going into the 2020s as a decade, not just as a year. Mm-hmm. And what we can look forward to in Texas for the coming decade. Well, so far this year, 2020, uh, we're only a couple of months into it. So mm-hmm. it's little, little soon to tell. Uh, I can tell you that 2019 ended as a very good year for the housing market. Uh, the sales volume was up, uh, total home sales. In fact, in 2019, for the first time in the history of the state, according to the data that we collect, as you know, in our data relevance program with the Texas Realtors Association, we, we have access to all of the MLS sales data. So what I'm citing are data co- that come through the MLS. But we topped $100 billion of residential sales this past year. That's a, that's a, a phenomenal amount of money, and it's going to go up. I can tell you that 2020 will be another uh, step-up year. We're, we're looking for sales to increase on the order of about 6% after about 4%, a little better than 4%. Last year, so we're looking for 2020 actually to be a very good year, maybe even better than last year statistically in terms of rates of increase and so on. Home price increases were were good last year, but more on the moderate to long term average level, that four to five percent or three and a half to four and a half percent, which is is more or less the statewide long term average as opposed to the eight or nine percent even 10% in some markets, uh, rates of increase in prices that we had 
a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's that's good. That's a good thing that that price increase leveling out. The market is still tight. There's still a low inventory. It's uh, less than three and a half months or thereabouts. And so it's still a, technically a seller's market. And that's going to be the, the boost for prices this year. We think the price will be between four and five percent, uh, sort of across the board. Uh, and obviously, for those listening to the podcast, it depends on where your house is and what neighborhood you live in and, mm-hmm. and what side of town and the neighborhoods, because it gets very localized. But just sort of across the board, we're looking at that four to five percent. Uh, as a result, uh, one of the things from the conference uh we're expecting home construction, uh, building permits to go up almost uh, almost between ten and eleven percent this year. That's that's a phenomenal. We had a little downturn. Uh, uh, yes. they, they were depressed mm-hmm. a year or so ago. Uh, this is going to be a, the rebound year. Multifamily is still going to be really uh, uh, pretty high, but it's it's already showing that that uh, leveling off a little bit in terms of construction. We still have a lot of millennials. We still have a lot of young people. We still have a lot of 20-somethings that live in Texas, and they still need a place to live, and the apartment market is the, is the place that that shows up. What are the biggest challenges that were discussed at the conference? So I think if you, if you want to summarize it in general, I think it was a technology disruption in the future for purchasing a home, financing a home, and supplying homes. I think the, the idea, you know, like uh, especially the last panel with, with Paige Chip, Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really interesting to see. She she showed a really, a really cool uh, slide, two slides, where she showed home building or purchasing a home, the experience of it in from 1950s. You know, the family picture. They want a, they want a new home. The picture of a home and the master developments, right? And then they showed the experience of the 2000s and basically the same experience, right? So she kind of I, I like the way she talked about how you technology like basically home construction basically has used the same technology for the past 50, 60 years. It hasn't changed in, mm-hmm. in, in basically anything. So there is a big a big opportunity for, you know, to to help out one of the biggest challenges also is is, is home affordability. Or, so how to supply homes at a, at a cheaper, lower price, right? Make it more efficient to, to, build a, to build a home. So I think that's an issue. Also, the other issue is she mentioned also the experience, you know, we see all these new tech companies like Amazon, Google, of course, Zillow, getting into the business of home purchasing and selling homes, right? So that's that's going to uh, another disruption of the experience of, of purchasing a home. Uh, also, the financing part, uh, that's interesting for the mortgage bankers. He mentioned the idea of new types of, you know, getting financing on an app, going online and getting your financing for your home also. So that's another another change disrupt. You see the commercials, you know, mortgage, uh, mm-hmm. rock, uh, rocket mortgage, right. uh, Quicken loans. with Quicken loans. So that's you know a trend. And going to back back to, I think Jim has mentioned a lot of this, and this going forward. Interesting, you know, the general uh, generation Z, or like Jim has likes to call it the general the generation uh, I, right? Because they were born with the internet. For them, the internet is normal, right? So that that's a big change, you know, because things that you know I or Jim, I'm X, Jim's baby boomer, and so I wasn't born with the internet, right? I have I still maybe want the experience of of buying a home, or maybe I like the home builder the way he builds a home, you know, maybe I don't like offsite construction, but for them, you know, for younger generations, for them maybe it would be normal, right? right. Maybe I want to get my mortgage on a home. I was talking to a person from the Dallas Fed actually, a person who attended the conference. And he was telling me, you know what, when I came here to move to Dallas, I actually went online, you know, 
the 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 I told the the realtor what what house or where to buy. He didn't tell me. And he said, you know, I would lo- I would be interested in, in in the idea maybe going forward uh, experiencing Zillow's purchasing uh, or Redfin's uh, opportunity of of purchasing or selling a home. So think about it. so he's he's changing that. Now for that, that's that's going to be I think an important challenge. Now going forward, we still have that challenge of you know housing affordability in Texas. Now we've always had that competitive advantage of the note of of, of of Texas being affordable. You know, of course, still we're we're affordable compared to California and New York, but going forward, as just mentioned, that onslaught of population moving to to Texas, the strength of the Texas economy, the growth in the, in the economy, you know, has built pressures on, on housing for early, especially for homes with a price tag below three hundred thousand dollars. So that I think that's that's would be a, a, a major challenge. Is going to be a major, major challenge. You know, the supply of homes. Can we supply homes? And a price range where people want to buy that home or the, or the first or the first time home buyer, right? What trends could drive the housing market in the next, you know, two or three years? So, so a trend that you know, I think I think Jim has mentioned and talked about, and I think uh, uh, Odetta did a great job also yes. about that. And Tim mentioned that, you know, people that initially, you know, they, they try to, I don't know, we try to do that. You know, maybe it's because you get, you know, we do it for every generation. You know, we try to make. Younger generations, you know, they're different than my generation. They're not, you know, it, it depends on a lot of things, especially the millennials. As you can see, uh, one of the points made there is that a lot of them, you know, are more educated, right? So that changes, that changed their life cycle, right? Instead of, you know, I went, I got my degree, maybe I got a master's. So of course I'm putting off not buying a home, right? And, or, or maybe I prefer to, I'm going to get married at an older age. But still, at the end, at the end, you know, the perspective is that current trends have shown is that now they're they're joining the, the, the housing market, they're, pur- they're purchasing homes, they're they're basically showing the same trend as all generations, but at an older age. So it doesn't mean you know millennials are not going to buy homes. I think that's that's an incon- an inconceived uh, statement, right? They are going to purchase homes. They're just doing it at a later stage in, in their lives, right? So I think that was that that was really important, especially the the, the education part. Now the other issue, you know, uh, is supply issues. I think supply issues will continue to have an effect. You know, like can they build? Can home builders build a home at that price range? Uh, build homes for first first time home buyers, and also the effect of regulation here in the state of Texas, also. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Luis is completely correct, and and of course, over the next two or three years, what's going to ha- happen here? First of all, our fundamentals are still going to be strong in Texas. Job growth. Jobs and income. You want to you want to know what's going to happen in the world? Yeah. Watch jobs and income, and and those fundamentals are still sound. Uh, Luis is exactly right, and it was one of the topics of the themes, if you will, that we heard in several of uh, different speakers at the at the conference uh, of the the millennials who are now, especially from about thirty two to 30, 40 years old, are coming through the market. They're they're now fueling uh, yes. the economy and particularly the housing market. And, and they're doing it later that when the boomers came through, when I came through, I'm a boomer. Uh, we were doing the same thing, but we were doing it in our late 20s. They're doing it in their later 30s. And it, it's, as Louis said, the whole thing just shifted a decade because we're all living longer and, mm-hmm, and yes. things just happen longer. The, uh, the millennials, it's no secret, get married a little later, have kids. The life cycle, the 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 timing of the yes. life cycle and the family life cycle is just simply moved out almost a decade 
uh, worth of, of thing. Number two, from the and and a, uh, one of the conclusions from the from the conference that maybe we haven't hit on yet and addressed, interest rates are still going to remain low. Uh, uh, monetary policy uh, is going to be, it quite honestly, is still going to be accommodative uh, from the Fed. Now, they never say that. that this is me interpreting. <laughs> uh, I don't want to put words in the mouth of the Fed. But, but it was clear that, that, at least for the moment, there's no, um, uh, there's no indication that they are going to either try to tighten monetary, raise interest rates again, and so on. In fact, for the upcoming year, and we didn't mention it, it didn't get a whole lot of coverage in the in the conference. Uh, the uh, coronavirus and the downturn in the general U.S. economy, if anything, might spur the Fed to drop the rates a little bit more if the economy, the national economy, slows down here in the next six months or so. I don't think this is immediate, but over the next two or three years, we're still going to see interest rates Oh, plus or minus about where they are. I mean, mm -hmm. they may go up a little bit, but it's not going to be a big jump uh, uh, or anything like that. So the, the housing market is still going to be very attractive. The, the supply is going to be a little difficult, but it's getting better. Yeah. Uh, the, the supply of lots and then the supply of houses that get built is, are going to be better. So we're still looking for that and the demographic patterns that, that Louis. So jobs, income, demographic, people, if you mm -hmm. take those three things... And as long as the regulatory bodies from federal to state to county to city to very local level don't get too restrictive, uh, especially here in Texas, where, where we've not been uh, overly restrictive regulatory-wise or law-wise, uh, then the housing market still is going to be quite robust, quite frankly. Yeah, and, and going back to like uh, Jim was mentioning about the interest rates and long-run interest rates, well, think about like uh, what's a normal interest rate basically – equals inflation plus uh, real interest rate. Uh, so inflation, you know, the object, the, the, the Fed's objective is around 2%. So think about it, inflation 2%. Real, you know, it's low because future growth of the U.S. economy is around 2% or, or uh, so it's a, it's a low expected growth rate going forward. So that feeds into the, what's, what's the, the normal interest rates. So normal interest rates going forward are practically going to be still low. They're going to remain low. If, if, if there's no inflation shock that drives inflation up, but there's no, nothing right now that would show you that inflation is going to go up, right? So think about it going forward. That's, and that's important. And we saw that. That's why Jim talked about earlier what happened in 2000, 2019, the start of 2019, uh, when the Fed and the 18 raised the, the Fed funds rate, interest rate went up. So what happened? That was really negative for the housing market, and we saw it in sales, and we saw it in building. Right, in, that fourth in, quarter of the year. So you saw that. So. That's another pro, and going forward, yes, we, interest rates, you know, are expected to remain low. So that's a good for the, good thing. For and us. in fact, they just came out yesterday, the, the PCE deflator. That, that, that that's what the Fed actually looks at was at mm -hmm. one point six. So it, it's below their two percent mar uh, uh, target rate. That's what I was talking about. If the if the Fed perceives that the economy is slowing down or declining enough, they might actually lower rates again. It is not very likely. Mm -hmm that they're going to perceive that the economy is going so fast or so strong or that inflation is such a problem that they need to raise rates. I mean, that's it's kind of easy to sit back. It's easy when you're not having to make the decision. Right. So it's easy for me to say. Uh, but it, but you can kind of see which way that goes and, and get a feel for where, where it's going. Um, the other trend, uh, future trend, are institutional buying and selling. We're trying to get some handle on that. Of what it's doing to uh, home prices and the and the market, 
Uh, that's one of those technological changes that actually Luis just made a, a, a reference to here a minute ago. And there was a, there was a fair amount of discussion of that. So far, the, the I buyer, the, the institutional buyer, the instant buyer, and it, the I has two different words that can go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, it, the impact is fairly small. I mean, we're, you know, less than two, 3% of the market in general. Uh, but it's, it's emerging and it's growing. And, and as, as Luis was pointing out, with the technology changes, particularly the young people who are very, very comfortable doing things online through the internet, dealing with a, an internet buyer or seller is far more comfortable to them than, say, somebody my age. Mm-hmm. I, they know way I'm doing it. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but that is going to be the wave of the future and this future of the 2020s, this coming decade, it'll be interesting to see how that emerges. It's going to have uh, a real impact on the way business is conducted, the, the fee structure for appraisers, lenders, title companies, real estate agents, everybody that's involved in the, in the food chain there of, of the buying and selling of real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're trying to make it more efficient. You know, it's like I mentioned earlier with that home construction has been so, in, so inefficient for so many years. There's a lot of opportunities there to make a lot of money. Just to give you a little stat, uh, uh, Janet Rice from uh, from CBRE was mentioning that Texas alone had re- received uh, $24 billion in investment in multifamily investment in 2019. $24 billion just in multifamily. People mm-hmm. invested in, in, in Texas. in multi- So that's a lot of money, right? Yeah. So think about all this mortgage. If you can get a mortgage, it can build a community. Another, another interesting part that the page I should mention was that Google, if you think about Google, you think about Google, you think about technology, data, switching online, they just bought a master plan community in Toronto. Yeah. So they wanted to look at how people live, how to grow the communities, you know, multifamily apartments, everything to develop and growth. So they're trying to get into that business also. So think about it. There's a lot of opportunities there, and all these disruptors are going to come into the market, right? And they're going to change it, right? We're going to—it's going to be a different thing. Things that you don't even think of. Warren Buffett just bought a manufactured home pro- uh, company. Mm-hmm. Wow! Now, yeah. if Warren has been historically somebody you watch to see what he's looking at and what's interesting to him. It doesn't mean it'll happen immediately. Yeah. Doesn't mean it'll happen in 2020 necessarily. But here again, if you take a longer decade look. If we look at the decade of the 2020s, one of the emerging areas is going to be the off-site constructed uh, housing, call it manufactured housing if you'd like, but particularly in the lower price points. If we can get efficiencies, economies of scale, and get uh, uh, construction costs from currently $150, $160 a square foot for stick built, uh, the, the people out there you know, doing the hammering and nailing, down to maybe $110 a square foot. That's a big difference yeah. if you can get the, the uh, operational and, and uh, production efficiencies uh, in a plant where you can chunk them out. And quite frankly, we're, we're seeing examples. Uh, if you drove by some of these houses, you can't tell from a casual glance mm-hmm. uh, that these were not stick built and built. The, the roof pitch, the, the exterior finish, et cetera, doesn't doesn't lend itself uh, to that I- at all, and that's going to be a major thing. The the gentleman that was there uh, from Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they've just opened up program to finance these properties with thirty year conventional mortgage financing, just like a regular, quote unquote, a regular stick built house, and that's a that's a major uh, up and coming uh, uh, program. 
it's still young. It's still there'll, there'll probably still be some problems with it. But over the course of the next ten years, it'll get ironed out, and we'll see a lot of that, particularly in areas where we have a, a real pronounced affordable housing issues. They'll be on smaller lots. The, mm-hmm. the 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 footprint will be smaller. The houses themselves are generally going to be a little smaller. Instead of building three thousand square foot mansions and plus, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be on the order of fifteen hundred to twenty two hundred square foot uh, uh, finished product. But those are those are and really it's a it's a revert back to history. It's like uh, you could buy a house from Sears Roebuck back in the nineteen twenties. I did not. Know oh yeah, wow. out of their catalog, <laughs> which was the 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 original internet. Yeah. But if I go back to Jen's point, yes, but it could be smaller houses, but doesn't mean they're low quality. No, so don't forget exactly. That. So, yeah, think about, so think about it. It could be really nice quality, nice finishes. They can be built better even. You know, Paige Ship was mentioning, uh, uh, I can't remember the exact amount, but I think like 13% or 15% of, of, of uh, is waste, home builder's yes. waste. Yes. Something, a high percent. I was, when she said that, I was shocked. Like mm-hmm. think about it, like money wise, you're you're like fifty percent of what you do is waste. All the what lumber you, you buy right? that you don't use. Yeah, all right. those things, you know, it's 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 just waste. So think about it, if you can make it more efficient, you can increase the quality, the finishes are even better, you know, it's it's a and it's a process, a manufactured process. So you're not losing, you know, maybe you're gaining more, right? Right. Obviously the conference was extremely interesting. Yeah. On <laughs> yes. a number of different points, yes. on a number of different issues. Uh, it's one of those kind of things you're sitting there and, and as, as a topic like what we we're just discussing here comes up, it doesn't really get full thrift yeah. uh, and share and discussion. So, But, but it, it stimulates the imagination. It stimulates the thinking here at the real estate center. It stimulates us of what we need to be looking at and what we need to be researching and try to get on that leading edge and on the cusp so we can inform Texans about what to expect, what to look for, what some of the impacts are going to be, some of the problems for sure, um, and 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 some of the outcomes that are the the likely results. Will we be perfect on that? Probably not. Any kind of forecast is always wrong. But but yeah. <laughs> but we hope that we're we're seeing those trends evolve and develop and get the information and and as much information and data and analysis out to our our people who pay attention to what we're doing. <laughs> Going back to Jim was saying like, last thing, one of the interesting part of it, we talked about a little bit. I think Joe's going to love that. Joe's our data scientist in the center. I think he enjoyed that talk when uh, uh, Santa Fed he he done a lot of research, but he basically t- focused on data. Yes. So it was interesting what he like showed us to do data sets, and basically kind of mentioned that we have better data to actually monitor and see what's happening in in the housing market, especially in mortgages and housing finance. I think that was a good. A good uh, just to finish it with that something else like I said like Jim mentioned it was a lot of topics really cool cool information but just to mention that part of like the data part of it there's better data now to look at what's actually happening in, in, in mortgage markets well thank you guys for coming on thank you it's our pleasure thanks again Jim and Luis I've posted a link to other podcasts featuring them on our podcast webpage and in the YouTube description box I've also included links to their most recent articles You can find even more articles by center staff on our research library. It includes a wide variety of economic reports and real estate articles. Our latest include the Texas Housing Insight Report, the 2020 Texas Economic Outlook, Soil Health Practices, Water Resource Issues, Micromarkets, and more. We've included a link to the research library on our podcast webpage. 
That's going to be it for today's Red Zone. If you want more from the Real Estate Center, head to our website. That's www.recenter.tamu.edu. There, you'll find the latest data, research articles, blogs, news, and more. To stay up to date on when articles are published on our website, follow the Real Estate Center on social media. You can find us with the handle at RECenterTX on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. For more podcasts like these, subscribe on iTunes or to our YouTube channel. All podcasts are also available for free on our website. Thank you for joining us today in the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Real Estate Center in College Station, Texas, where we've been helping Texans make the best real estate decisions since 1971. This is Haley Reader, and I'll see you next time. Bye.